Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. Welcome back, America. I'm Cicely, and you are tuned in to another episode of The Savage Truth. Thank you for joining me. Glad to be here with you and to have you join me. Happy belated President's Day. Here in America, we have had some of the best the most brilliant, most accomplished, brave, determined, honorable, distinguished, and influential in history. Of course, I'm referring to George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, John Adams, Andrew Jackson, Ulysses S. Grant, Theodore Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan, and Donald J. Trump. <laughs> now, you know I had to mention the DJT. Since they can't beat him, they certainly try to indict him. Now, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and let's, let's get at it. You know what I've been watching for quite some time with the woke movement? That they clearly, obviously, have the play of division by way of their created, supposed, marginalized groups. You know, keeping division strong through the creation of groups, playing identity politics, and then putting a face to those groups so as to connect with those who have suffered or who have been denied, overlooked, bypassed, undervalued, underpaid, and discriminated. And I say supposedly, allegedly overlooked, bypassed, undervalued, and underpaid and discriminated, etc. cetera. You get my drift. What's particularly obvious to me, and I hope to others who are black in this country, is that the very worst of blacks are placed on the democratic pedestal as representatives of black excellence. This disturbs me. Let, me. let me give you some examples, if I may. You see, the black race has a long, long line of amazing, accomplished heroes to praise and raise for accolades. We've had Condoleezza Rice. We've had a Ben Carson, the late and accomplished Thurgood Marshall, of course, then having to mention his honors, excellent replacement amongst those who are excellent, Clarence Thomas. And I could go on and on and on. But oh no, from the woke bunch, we get a Kamala Harris. The borders are. The borders are who actually won't go to the border, who is allegedly so horrific to work for, for her past employees that they have quit one after the other from the White House and has the poorest approval rating for VPs in history. We get a Claudine Gay, a plagiarist, a proven plagiarist who yet remains as president at Harvard to earn 900,000 a year. We get Jamal Bowman, Congressman of New York who pulls fire alarms when there is no emergency. We get a Nathan Wade and a Fannie Willis, the two cash-happy attorneys out of Fulton County, Georgia. Fannie Willis, Fulton County District Attorney and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade, an attorney with very little prosecutorial experience, embarrassed themselves on the witness stand last week in front of the entire nation. I mean, I was in awe watching this. We're talking about trips and flights and dinners and excursions and other entertainment and travel reimbursement confusions played out in front of the court and in front of the American people at large. Wade, trying to maintain composure on a poker face, stumbles, or at least pretends to struggle to remember dates and circumstances surrounding cash receipts, 
tax filings and cash reimbursements from his lover and boss, Fannie Willis. Fannie Willis, of course, the Fulton County District Attorney who brought the charges against Donald Trump, Fannie Willis took a gangster stance as she marched hot-footed in the courtroom and put on dis a display so cringeworthy. I don't know how she remains on after this as a representative to anyone. I mean, she was arrogant, she was angry, haughty, and hostile. It might be a G. Who says this? Who talks like this? Meaning a grand, a thousand dollars, ebonically speaking, for those of you who may need translation, a G is a thousand dollars. I mean, this is the best they could get out of Fulton County. This is the best they've had. This is the best representative out of Fulton County, Georgia. Fulton County, Georgia, are you on record saying that Fannie Willis is your best? Fannie Willis is a representative of Fulton County's standard. This is what you can expect out of Fulton County. Is this what you're saying? Wow. The saga continues with this story, but I think it's clear that the judge was not leaning their way, and there were some clear discrepancies in both Wade and Willis's testimony. Now, I'm not sure who made the decision, but Fannie Willis did not return to that witness stand the next day. That was probably a smart move. I am sure they figured that she had such a horrific go of it on the stand the day before that it was clearly not a good look for her or for them. And remember, as long as they continue to question her, that leaves her open to be cross-examined as well. Nothing to be proud of there, black people. Just the obvious, just saying the obvious, just making that statement. We have better, we can certainly do better. So, you know what? Let's stay on black people, shall we? After all, it's Black History Month, and it's a leap year, so we get an extra day. <laughs> this is fantastic. Black people, we get a month, we get an anthem. We get special categories on Netflix and Hulu now, a section in Target, I think. We get black-only dorms now, and forgive me for, for saying, but Perhaps the black underclass may see this as progress, but for those of us who are just a little bit observant and discerning, see this as perhaps a return to Jim Crow. But I digress. Keeping on black people, the Democratic Party is feeling a bit nervous as they continue to lose their grip on the black voters. They seem pretty desperate to make up lost ground with black voters especially. A recent Gallup poll found that Democrats' lead with black voters has shrank nearly 23% over the last three years. Now, in 2020, it was at 66%, and in 2023, that had dropped to 47%. Kamala Harris had an idea to address this, and I quote, We've done quite a bit to pardon tens of thousands of people for simple marijuana possession under the federal law because frankly, nobody should have to go to jail for smoking weed. And so these are some of the things we have done that I think really do resonate with young people, with black voters, with young black men, and there's more to do. And if that wasn't insulting enough, New York Congressman Bowman, and again, fire alarm puller, had a plan of his own. Now, brace yourself, folks. This is what he has proposed, a new, Hip Hop Power and Justice Task Force to the rescue. Dun, da, 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 da. <laughs> According to Bowman, 
it's time for hip hop to have a greater impact on American culture and policy. And I quote, it's gonna make my tongue burn, but I quote, this is not just about music. This is about addressing the injustices of our society. Now it's time to organize formally and bring into the halls of Congress the power and the transformative nature of hip hop culture. Our goal is to make sure the hip hop community has a seat at the table as we work on federal policy. <laughs> so this is obvious, it's, it's laughable, it's obvious. So clear and so transparent and wildly racist and condescending. Now, what's going on here, like I said, is clear. It's not just about losing ground with blacks in the Democratic Party, which, by the way, I say it's about time. There needs to be more to fall away from the Democratic Party. And what's taking you so long? And what does it take to get you to see the agenda and the panderous racist view the Democratic Party has of blacks in America? So, again, not only about losing their grip on black voters, but particularly black men, black men specifically and particularly. Now, I've been saying it for quite some time since starting the show that black men are all over social media speaking out against the Democratic Party and very specifically and adamantly in support of Donald Trump, raising financial status and broken promises as the top reasons for that switch. They know that white dem women and black women are the most challenging to move, to get them to move. Black women are, unfortunately, nearly impossible to switch because of their stance on abortion. But through black men, you see, that demographic, black women, and can and will eventually soften and follow, and they simply cannot afford to lose them. Now, I will also say that aside from the obvious racist pandering that I hope black voters recognize and hold them to the fire on, the messaging from the Republican Party needs to be better. There is an opportunity here to embrace and delve into culture more and to attract, no, to connect. It's an opportunity to connect to other demographics, younger people in particular. I think the party could really use some connective marketing that gets younger generations to understand that the right side, the Republican conservative side, is the side that actually cares for them and has their future always in front of mind. That could be beneficial and done through the means of media, social media, through music and arts and et cetera. I also think it would be of great benefit for those celebrities who have decided to overtly speak against wokeism to help move cultural and pop culture efforts along. One thing I can say is that I've learned since moving to the Republican conservative side is that it's actually more rewarding to embrace the party that honors this country in history. Um, it honors the Constitution, its heroes, and the way of life. It's actually cool to be conservative, truly. I truly mean that. So let's continue to watch as black men wake up to the absurdity known as wokeism and the black monolith, hence the Democratic Party. Lots to watch there. Mi casa es su casa. You know, I'm bilingual this week. 
as the state of Michigan tells citizens to help out with the border and the illegal alien crisis by housing them, taking them in. Have you heard this? Have you actually heard and read about this? This is unbelievable. Get a load of this, folks. Get a load of this, Savage fans. The state of Michigan is now looking to place illegal immigrants in the homes of the American people. Governor Gretchen Whitmer's Office of Global Michigan just launched a program whereby residents of the state can volunteer to help illegal aliens coming from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela by providing housing, among other types of support. She is literally asking Michigan state residents to house illegals in their homes and integrate them into society. So I know it's almost unbelievable, but considering this woke governor, not surprising at all. Now remember, Whitmer was supposed to be um, a possibility for being vice president under Biden, but I digress. Whitmer is seeking volunteers to do several tasks, including meeting the person or family at the airport, helping them find housing, enrolling the children in school, and help them finding employment for adults. The Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Development say residents who participate must make a 90-day commitment to apparently meet every migrant need. The mission is named the Welcome Corps with a mission to make Michigan the home for opportunity for our immigrant, refugee, and ethnic communities. They say that the expanded refugee resettlement pathways empower more Michigan Michiganders is that a word? To support our state's growing refugee population and build a more welcoming and inclusive Michigan for all, and I end quote. So, so here are some of the tenets of the program. As I mentioned, residents are asked to make a 90-day commitment. They are asked to help with relocation needs due to the border crisis. That help is to make a home in that state. Residents are asked to meet the person or family at the airport help them find housing, enroll children in school, and help with finding employment for the adults. So the potential migrant candidates are of Cuban, Haitian, Nicaraguan, or Venezuelan nationality, according to the Whitmer Agency. Now, Michigan is not the only state to ask residents to house illegals. Massachusetts launched a similar program. The Immigrant Support Alliance in Melrose Massachusetts is now openly asking and giving the opportunity for their residents to house illegal immigrants in their private homes. Now, my first reaction, of course, is absolutely not, heck no. This problem, this crisis, was created by Joe Biden, so he should be the one to correct it, along with his border czar, Kamala Harris. And he can do so right now by reinstalling all the previous administration's policies. Just close the border. Close it. But I say, good luck trying to evict these people if something goes south. I mean, what if the family adults can't find jobs or they get one that's not sufficient to support a household? What then? Are you going to evict them because of a 90-day rule? And what if it takes 180 days or 120 days or 240 days to find a job that's sufficient? 
This is crazy. This is absolute insanity what we're living through. Here's a great message from Joe and to the border czar. We didn't interview or vet these people when they crossed the border, but here, take them into your homes for us. You know, we don't know their health status. We don't know their criminal background. We don't know their intentions, their values, whether or not they're in a gang or from a gang, or if they owe any drug cartel members, or if they're addicted to any drugs. We don't know their mental or health status, but take them, these strangers, into your home and help us out. That's the message to residents. Now, because of Joe Biden and his unwillingness to enforce the law, illegals have taken over public spaces. We've seen them take over airports, hotels, parks, rec centers, and schools. Now, it's reaching homes and people are in fear they will be eventually relocated for their illegal immigrants' accommodation. Considering COVID and the woke action taken with the Biden administration and these woke socialist governors, my question is this, how long until this volunteer program becomes mandatory? It starts as a request, remember COVID, and it ends as a demand. Can you say Third Amendment? I'm on the watch for this because, as you know, living in ground zero of defund the police here in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, we'll soon join these other states to strengthen the woke mob's national agenda. It won't be long before Minnesota will be asking residents to do the same thing. Again, it starts out as a request. It starts out as volunteer and soon becomes mandatory. And to that, I say absolutely not. Moving on, $355 million. Final mention, as we near the end of this episode, Donald Trump and his son, Eric, so savagely points out, and I quote Eric, my father built the New York skyline and this is his thanks. Mr. Wonderful and Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary said the ruling reveals New York's assault on real estate, and I quote him. West Virginia, Florida, and North Dakota are winner states for business. California, New York, and New Jersey are losers. He goes on to say, New York was already a loser state, like California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy and high taxes on competitive regulation. I would never invest in New York now, and I'm not the only person saying that. You go to a bank and you say, look, I wanna borrow $200 million to build a building. And they say, what assets do you have that we can secure this loan against? And you point to a building you built before and you haggle and you argue about the value of that building. Those remarks, of course, referring to the $355 million in punitive damages in the alleged civil fraud case. And I must say here, I have to make this statement. There was no fraud. There were no victims. Everyone was paid back their money due, and the banks were not complaining. This judge arbitrarily decided that this is the right amount. I don't understand it. It's an atrocity. It's an embarrassment. But it's an assault on real estate and business altogether. And with New York appearing to categorize some instances of that process as potentially fraudulent, I will concur with the business mogul and say New York has supplanted California as the top to be named as no-go for business. 
Clearly, California has been putting itself out of business slowly but surely, with Massachusetts and high-tax New Jersey close behind. Thomas Paine of Fox Business pointed out that $1 trillion in business has already left New York largely for Florida and Texas. And with Manhattan skyscrapers around 50% capacity, it appears unlikely they will return to full use. Savage truth is, as we end, is that Trump was one of the highest taxpayers in New York. He will appeal, New York will lose. But if you want to ban one of the highest taxpayers in the city from doing business in New York, stop him from paying taxes for three years and hope he returns, you're crazy. They're jealous of him. They're threatened and they hate that he's successful. They hate it that he is resilient and strong and can command a room and fill a stadium like a rock star. He doesn't tire and he connects with the American people in a way that Dems and Joe Biden can't. The far left Marxists say no jail, no bail, protecting the gang and criminal background and continue to diminish the police force. Good luck with that. I. It doesn't look good for them. It doesn't look good for these states by the way of crime or health or immigration or business. We need some savage voters to show up and speak up at the ballot box this coming November. And that is this episode's final Savage Truth. Please share, like, subscribe, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And remember, be strong, be bold, be faithful, be true. Till next time, I'm Cicely. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.